Good morning, Alex and friends. I'm Connie. Today is Tuesday, September 05-2023, and you're listening to Alex's News. In Riverside today, expect a high of 85.1 degrees with a low of 63.6. Coming up on Alex's News, we've got a lot to cover. After their recess, Congress is back in session with potential challenges ahead, with an imminent spending fight and possible impeachment inquiry on the horizon. We'll also delve into China's newest financial venture as they launch the Big Fund, a $40 billion venture into the semiconductor sector. Over in Nevada, Sin City wrestles with the era of automation. Las Vegas jobs in hospitality and tourism take the spotlight as we explore the impact of AI's advancement on these industries. Finally, a tale of survival from the frosty expanse of Antarctica, as an Australian worker was successfully rescued from the region's Casey Research Station. Stay tuned for these stories and more on Alex's News. We begin our morning news coverage with the return of Congress after their summer recess. The Senate is looking to avoid a government shutdown and is under the pressure of the September 30th deadline. For more, we have Elias, our resident Washington analyst. Elias, can you give us a quick breakdown of the current situation in Congress? Absolutely, Connie. As you mentioned, Congress is back in session. They are tasked with tackling several major issues. The most imminent one is the potential government shutdown. According to the Washington Times, this is identified by Senate Majority Leader Charles E. Schumer as the upper chamber's top priority. Surely that should have everyone's attention. How could this possibly get more complicated, Elias? Well, Connie, it appears the issue is further convoluted by the debates over aid to Ukraine and border security. There's even talk of a possible House vote on a President Biden impeachment inquiry. Now, the White House is advocating for Congress to pass a short-term spending measure at current funding levels in order to stave off the shutdown. Speaking of measures, Elias, what can you tell us about the House conservatives' list of ultimatums? According to reports, House conservatives are applying pressure on House Speaker Kevin McCarthy for their support of a short-term continuing resolution. This list could stir some interesting debates, Connie. And what of the delegation from Iowa, Elias? What are they focusing on? The Sioux City Journal reports that the Iowa delegation emphasizes the need to fund the government by the deadline. They're supportive of a continuing resolution to prevent any shutdown. Their key priorities include defense and agriculture with pressing matters like the annual defense policy bill and the farm bill. Interestingly, they are facing opposition from GOP tax bills urged by a liberal advocacy organization to vote against them. Moving on to the House Republicans, Elias, how are they approaching this challenging period? According to The Hill, they're facing trouble on multiple fronts. They must navigate government funding and the potential launch of an impeachment inquiry into President Biden. Speaker Kevin McCarthy signaled the possibility of commencing such an inquiry in September. However, the limited time available and divisions within their own ranks complicate matters. You mentioned divisions within their ranks. How pivotal is the role of the House Freedom Caucus in these circumstances? Well, Connie, the Freedom Caucus, a group of conservative lawmakers, has put forth that they will only back a stopgap funding bill if it includes clauses related to border security, the Department of Justice, and Pentagon policies, 
this is a significant demand and might not be well received by either the House or the Senate, which is Democratic-controlled. Thanks for shedding light on these critical developments, Elias. We'll be keeping a sharp eye on how Congress navigates these complexities. It's not going to be a quiet September, right? Indeed, Connie. This is just the start of what's set to be a very eventful news cycle. Thanks, Elias. Up next, we have our second story of the morning. Stay tuned. We're moving now to our second story of the day, involving a major move by China in the technology sector. They're planning to launch an enormous state-backed investment fund projected to raise around $40 billion for their semiconductor industry. From what we understand, this fund would mainly invest in chip manufacturing equipment. Grace, what can you tell us about this initiative and its implications? Well, Connie, you're absolutely right. What we're seeing here is a milestone in China's quest for self-sufficiency in the semiconductor sector. This latest fund, which we're referring to as the Big Fund, will be the largest of three funds initiated by the China Integrated Circuit Industry Investment Fund. Given recent export control measures imposed by the U.S. and its allies, this move signifies a strategic effort by China to gain more control over its semiconductor supply. That's fascinating. Now, has the Chinese government made any contributions to the fund? Good question, Connie. According to our sources, the Chinese government has approved the setting up of the fund, anticipated to contribute a whopping 60 billion yuan, which is about $8.22 billion, from the country's finance ministry. And the timing of this? Do we know when the fund is expected to be officially launched? Unfortunately, Connie, our sources chose to remain anonymous and did not indicate a specific launch date. However, they did reveal that the fundraising process is expected to span several months. I see. Let's talk about any previous instances of China allocating funds specifically for the semiconductor industry. Has there been a precedent? In fact, there has been, Connie. The big fund has previously extended financial support to companies such as Semiconductor Manufacturing International Corporation and Hua Hong Semiconductor. With the introduction of this new fund, China is both continuing and amplifying its efforts to bolster domestic chip manufacturing competency. So, Grace, how does semiconductor self-sufficiency factor into China's overall technological strategy? It's an integral part, Connie. For some time now, Chinese President Xi Jinping has been stressing the need for China to reduce its dependence on foreign chip technology. This new fund indicates a major effort towards attaining just that. I see. And might this have any potential implications for the global tech industry or international relations? It certainly could, Connie. Particularly when you consider the current technology trade battles happening globally, with the U.S. and other countries implementing export control measures, this move by China can be seen as a direct response to that and could potentially stir up new tensions in international technology trade relations. Thank you for shedding some light on this developing story, Grace. We appreciate your insight. Happy to be here, Connie. Moving on to our third story of the day. Nowadays, it seems like the conversation around artificial intelligence, commonly known as AI, is on everyone's lips, but it's leading to more than a few raised eyebrows in Las Vegas. The city is seeing an increased use of automation and AI, resulting in drastic changes to the traditional work landscape there. 
According to NPR's All Things Considered, staff positions from checking in at hotel front desks to recommending restaurants are increasingly being taken over by machines. Ethan, our correspondent specializing in the area of AI and its societal impacts, has been closely following this issue. Ethan, can you tell us more about the situation in Las Vegas? Yes, Connie. Research suggests that by 2035, between 38% to 65% of jobs in Las Vegas could end up automated. This could prove disruptive to the city's economy, especially since it heavily depends on tourism and hospitality. So with this potential shift in mind, what is Las Vegas doing to address this issue? Like many cities facing similar issues, Las Vegas is attempting to diversify its economy. The goal is to emphasize more highly skilled occupations, ones that cannot be easily replaced by AI, as NPR mentioned in its coverage. Some measures already in place demonstrate workers' resistance to these changes. For example, the Culinary Union, which represents approximately 60,000 service and hospitality workers in Las Vegas, is closely monitoring the situation. They're keen to protect their members against potential job losses due to automation. So, the Culinary Union is playing a crucial role in negotiations. Can you tell us more about their strategy? Absolutely. They're demanding a new contract that includes job protections, such as a six-month warning for workers before any new technology implementation and free training on how to adapt to these changes. The union is prepared to go on strike during contract negotiations to secure these protections if necessary. Quite a stance. Now, some believe this wave of AI and automation cannot replace the personal experience human workers provide. How does that view fit into this context? That's right, Connie. Take the tipsy robot bar in Planet Hollywood, for instance. The establishment utilizes a robot bartender, but human workers still play vital roles around it. These workers are confident about the culinary union's ability to protect their roles, emphasizing that technology sometimes generates more work instead of replacing it. It seems AI is not just impacting lower-wage service jobs. How about white-collar jobs? How susceptible are they to these changes? Yes, that's an important point, Connie. The specter of generative AI hangs over white-collar jobs too, with roles like accounting and data entry potentially at risk. While AI may increase productivity in certain areas, it might also lead to some positions being eliminated entirely. Changing dynamics indeed. Now how is Las Vegas preparing for this potential shift? As a proactive measure, a panel on AI was convened back in August to discuss its implications and provide insights into the city's future work landscape. This was reported by Business Insider. And businesses are not just bracing for the impact, some are actively embracing the prospects. For instance, Tony Yi, a moving company owner, is using AI to improve business operations. It's clear then that for Las Vegas, the future of work might look quite different. Thanks for your report, Ethan. My pleasure, Connie. It's an evolving story, so we'll stay on top of it. Our final story today comes from the icy wilderness of Antarctica. An Australian worker at the Casey Research Station has recently been successfully rescued and is presently en route home aboard an icebreaker. This is according to the Australian Antarctic Division. Now joining me to unpack this story is our own Chloe. Chloe, what can you tell us about this rescue? Hi, Connie. Well, we learned that the unnamed man was stricken by an unspecified medical condition while stationed at the remote Australian post. This pushed the authorities into initiating a daring rescue operation. 
The icebreaker RSV Nuina traveled over 3,000 kilometers, breaking through thick sea ice, to reach a location near the base. Definitely sounds like an intense situation. Can you talk about how the actual rescue operation took place? Yes, upon the icebreaker's arrival, two helicopters were deployed to carry out the mission. Now safe in the icebreaker's medical facility, the man is expected to arrive in Australia sometime next week, where he will receive further medical care. That's good news indeed. Given the remote location and harsh conditions, I can imagine this was an extremely intricate operation, right? Absolutely, Connie. The Australian Antarctic Division had to marshal an emergency medical rescue team, oversee the operation of the icebreaker, and coordinate the deployment of two helicopters. It's an example of the complex and challenging nature of conducting medical evacuations in such isolated regions. So, Chloe, what precautions are in place for researchers working at these Antarctic bases, considering how remote they are? That's a great point, Connie. The Australian Antarctic Division operates three permanent outposts in Antarctica, including the Casey Research Station. These facilities do have some medical capabilities, but due to the extreme environment, they require researchers to pass rigorous medical examinations before they can be deployed. This incident has re-emphasized the undeniable challenges of delivering healthcare in such isolated and remote regions like Antarctica. Intriguing. And just for clarity, the Australian Antarctic Division has assured us that the rest of their Antarctic personnel are safe and accounted for, correct? Yes, that is correct. All other staff at Australian bases in Antarctica are safe. And for the privacy of the man involved in this particular incident, the division has chosen not to disclose his identity or specific medical condition. Multiple news sources including NPR, Associated Press, BBC News, and King5.com have reported extensively on the successful recovery operation, emphasizing the privacy of the man's health. Thank you for shedding light on this remarkable rescue, Chloe. It truly showcases the extraordinary efforts made by the authorities to ensure the man's safe return, a testament to human resilience and the power of effective emergency response. Indeed, Connie. It's been a pleasure discussing this story with you. Likewise, Chloe, and thank you once again for your wonderful insight. That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made by Alexander King with GPT-4, GPT-3.5 Turbo, the Eleven Labs Text-to-Speech API, and the Google Cloud Text-to-Speech API. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.